I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Psst. Hello there, listener. It's Ryan. I'm recording this secretly before Justin comes in. It's because we've started a new betting show and he isn't part of it. So I don't want him to get upset. It's me, a championship expert, and I'm joined by betting expert Jimmy the Punt. Every Thursday, we each give you three tips for the weekend's championship games. So search Second Tier Betting wherever you listen to your podcasts. And as always, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by my Middlesbrough Aidan Flint to my Aidan Flint at Cardiff. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. How are you, old sport? Oh, I'm, I'm very good, thank you. Very, very good. Been a good, good. Been a good week of football, I think. Yeah, it's been a very interesting week, to say the very oh, least. Yes. We've had nine away wins from the 12 midweek games. How about that, Justin? Yeah, that is a bit of a surprise actually, but then again, fans are back. I don't know if that impacts home teams a little bit, it might do. Fans getting What's on the, the back. Exactly. Yeah, possibly. The theory's here. Welcome to the number one championship specific podcast, ladies and gentlemen, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, that's right. We're going to run through all the midweek games in the championship from Tuesday and Wednesday nights. We're going to go through some of the news from the past few days and then we'll finish off with a Craig Bryson pub quiz right at the end. So let's kick off straight into it with a good old spanking at the Hawthorns. West Brom 4 Sheffield United nil. I was not expecting this game to be particularly one-sided, but it was one-sided and then more so, Justin. Mm, Yeah, it doesn't reflect very well on Sheffield United, but that's just West Brom, isn't it? They're they're so aggressive. In In any situation, whether that's pressing, whether that's in possession, whether that's putting the ball um, into the opposition third and, and then pressing again and then set pieces. Yeah, just everything about this West Brom side under Ishmael at the moment just smells of aggression. It's it's quite scary, it's quite scary actually that they were able to dismantle um, a team with the quality that Sheffield United have in it. Uh, I think that's testament to, to West Brom. That's testament to Ishmael because what we've seen in this game especially is Jukanovic who is under the same circumstances as Ishmael, new manager in the summer, relegated Premier League side. But Ishmael's got his style of play uh, across a lot easier than Yukanovic uh, um, has. So, yeah, absolute testament to, to Ishmael and, and getting that getting that in the players quite quickly because it's not an easy methodology, I imagine. Absolutely spot on. Yeah, West Brom look so good to watch at the moment. When they've got the ball, they look amazingly uh, they're passing the ball around amazingly quick. It's entertaining to watch. They're getting on the front foot, getting in teams' faces. They just look a real classy side. 
And really, mm. so far, I know it's only three games in, so let's not get counting our chickens just yet, but I'm yet to see a real weakness in their game because defensively they look solid, albeit they did concede four goals in the first two games, but I, I can't see that continuing really. Um, but when they've got the ball in possession, they look such a threat. And then, as you say, set pieces. Set pieces, they look a different beast. I mean, Donnell Furlong's throws... Yesterday, we're just causing Sheffield United all sorts of problems. Every time it got wanged into there, Sheffield United just didn't know what to do. Yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't pretty watching, was it? Because we saw them collapse almost every time the ball went into the box from Furlong, and um, I don't know whether it was the uh, the chap with the towel in the in the stands that was what a hero. That was uh, he's, proving he's a good little charm. Exactly, exactly. No, no one, uh, no one else in the stadium had a towel. So those those throw-ins are purely down to him. So just chalk off a couple of them goals because without him, nothing. Do you reckon he brought that towel to the game, especially for that one moment that Darnell, Darnell Furlong might be in front of him? I want to assume he did. I want to assume that over the in the last home game that he saw the ball slipping a little bit out of Furlong's hand as he launches it and he thought no I'm, I'm going to bring the tea towel to the ground see if he needs it and if he does I might have I might have started something new for the club and lo and behold they were brilliant from throwing so yeah. fair play yeah and well as we say Furlong just Sheffield United just didn't know what to do and it's at this point where I'm convinced Callum Robinson's going to score a thousand goals this season from just getting on the end of flick-ons at set pieces because it seems to have happened so many times it It seems to have happened so many (laughs) times already this season it's quite remarkable really but West Brom looking so good so far so so good the same can't be said for Sheffield United who, may I remind everyone, still haven't scored yet. The only team in the championship still yet to register a goal. In fact, in this game, Justin, they didn't even have a shot on target until the 72nd minute. And there aren't even, it's not just going forwards. They've got problems at the back as well, because, as we say, every time there was a set piece yesterday, they looked like they might concede. Yeah, it was pretty scary and startling that they were they how bad they looked because one of the key principles under Wilder um when they were in the championship and um when they were in the Premier League was, was matching teams for intensity, was matching teams for aggressiveness. Um and they were such a far cry from that, which is a massive shame. Um but as I say, the aggressiveness aggressiveness in West Brom's press, they couldn't cope with it. Um, the defending it is generally some of the worst you'll see. They were just sixes and sevens every time. I yeah, you know, I think um in the Bournemouth game, the West Brom Bournemouth game, Bournemouth slowly got a hold of things throughout the, the set pieces. West Brom was still always a danger, but you could see Bournemouth growing in confidence in defending the set pieces. Sheffield United did not, at any point, look like they could handle it, um, so and it's it's a massive issue. It. it did get worse. Um, they played too narrow as well. I noticed how narrow they were playing, which is really strange given how how much. Um, how much this team relied on overlaps from centre halves and wing backs um, in in previous seasons, but they were so so narrow, and that just played into West Brom a little bit because West Brom will want to play compact; they won't want teams to exploit spaces in behind, um, and it just played into the hands a little bit. Um, but as you say, they're the worst attacking team in the division. They got the lowest amount of passes in, uh, into into the opposition final third, lowest uh, shots and shots on target. This is scary for for Sheffield United and Blades fans this isn't 
good at all. And he kind of has just got his work cut out because a lot needs to change very quickly. Well, it's obvious why they haven't got any width because they haven't got any wingers. <laughs> Simply put, they're playing at the moment Ben Osborne and John Fleck as the wingers, which it doesn't scream pace, does it? But it is a really talented side. It's just like Jukanovic hasn't got the players he wants to play his style of play, if you know what I mean. There's there's no balance in the team, is there? There's no balance in the squad. Um, this the, Every player in that squad was recruited to wait, play one system, which was the 3-5-2 or the three at the back with the wing-backs under Wilder. And unfortunately, it's a massive problem and it needs to be resolved very quickly. Oh, definitely. 100%. It's got to be pointed out as well. Verips, who was in goal for Sheffield United, did not have a good game. He mm. is standing in for Ramsdale, who looks like he's on his way to Arsenal, and they're going to have to strengthen in goal from the looks of it, because I haven't seen much of Verips, but he did not cover himself in glory in this game. Two early Fulham goals saw them maintain their unbeaten start and beat Millwall 2-1. This was an interesting game, because Fulham, so comfortable for 80 minutes or so, and then suddenly, Millwall pulled their thumb out and made it an interesting end to the game. But apart from that, Fulham were very classy for the vast majority of it, weren't they, Justin? Yeah, as you say, for the 80 minutes, Fulham were fantastic. They just kept carving Millwall open. It was quite, it was really very, very sexy stuff at times in possession from Fulham. And um, I have to say, I'll admit it, I was wrong about Marco Silva. I think, I think. Um, I think he's a good fit for this Fulham side, just the way he's got them playing, the way he's integrated the young players into the side. You're looking at Fabio Carvalho, for example. He was quite clearly man of the match and there's been a lot of noise about him over the last two days. So we don't need to dwell on him too much because everyone's done it for us. He was fantastic. Um, but as well as that, just the, the confidence in how they're playing with the ball, I could easily see this team breaking the points record. Um, wow. If... Yeah, oh, they've got the squad depth to do it. They've got the quality of player to do it. They've got goal scorers. They've got creative players. Um, everything's there for it to happen. They're so so good. Uh, yeah, there's no much, not much more really to say about them. This this game amplifies that because you go away to the den, you play as confidently as you do. It's not. It's a big test early on in the season. Hang on, Justin. One hundred and six points. Are we really saying? Or, well, I'm not saying it. <laughs> Are you saying that? Fulham can break that because that's a massive shout. Uh, I'm saying that they've got all the right ingredients to do it. Um, they've got, as I said, they've got the squad depth, they've got the players, they've got the quality of players. Um, there's just, just just quality everywhere. This ooze quality and the style of play as well. I think it lends to it because Millwall couldn't get near them until the last um, 10, 10 minutes. And obviously we saw with a phobia's goal, he didn't know anything about it. Um, so it could, it's, it's one of those things that's quite easily avoided, and um, yeah, I, I just see them. I quite I see them quite easily pushing teams away all the way through the season. Okay, I mean that's a massive shout. I'm sure Reading fans might have something to say about that, but we'll leave that there. I will agree. Fulham looked really, really good throughout the majority of this game. Carvalho, as you say, we won't delve into him too, too much because. Everyone's been talking about him. He had an unbelievable game, just 18 years old. And for a lad to have that much talent and intelligence on the pitch is just outstanding. Uh, I thought Cabano, very good as well. The only criticism you can really label Fulham with was that they didn't score more because they missed some big chances. And then that final few minutes where they were in the panic stations 
wouldn't have happened had they put mm-hmm. those chances away earlier. But yeah, they they looked really good here. I'm going to reserve judgment before I start saying points record, though. Um, I really enjoyed Benneke Fobe's goal because Matt Smith heading it into his face. I'm all for that. Really, really good. Uh, Gary Rowett, I think, would have been disappointed with the two goals they conceded because from a Millwall perspective, they were a bit sloppy. Uh, anything you want to comment on with Millwall, Justin? Um, I think they were just well beaten by a very confident Fulham ta- uh, Fulham side. Uh, I think individual uh, Murray Wallace had a had a bit of a mare on the left hand side. For example, um, he really couldn't get to grips with the the trickiness of 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 the Fulham wide players, Cabano especially. Um, but the last ten minutes will will give them a little bit of confidence going into future games because it could have been five or six nil. It wasn't. They nearly got back into it. So there's positives there. I think there's just nothing more intimidating than a Millwall crowd going Mill because it just instantly strikes fear into any opposition. It didn't work with Millwall. Fulham. Well, you say that last ten minutes they looked a bit intimidated. <laughs> we'll see. It is worth mentioning Fulham were booed for taking the knee before the game. Still don't understand why people do it. Boo it, that is. Um, but unfortunately, it's almost expected at this point. Guy Rowett didn't cover himself in glory either with his comments after the game, but we won't go into that, Justin. Uh, QPR continue to impress. They beat Middlesbrough 3 2 despite being down to 10 men for nearly half the game. No Rob Dickey goal this time, though, which is a shame. But QPR looking fantastic once again, Justin. There's no point even talking about it if Rob Dickey's not scored. I thought we were just a Rob Dickey podcast now. I. Are we not? I, I don't know. If you want to start a Rob Dickey podcast, then we can do that on the side. I'll, I'll certainly, yeah, we could we could do that. I think um, I think there'll be certainly a few listeners for it. But you know, while we're here, we may as well talk about the game. Um, but yeah, it was a disastrous start for QPR. Um, Lyndon Dykes. This is why you don't put attacking players in the in the defensive third because that 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 shirt tug on Dale Fry was one of the most obvious things you'll you'll ever see. A lot of character from QPR to go down to 10 men, to, to go behind, to get back into it. That was a real steely performance from from Mark Warburton's side. It was it was a lot of a lot of pluses for them. Um and it, you know, going away to, to Neil Warnock's borough um on a on a weekday is not gonna be an easy tie for any team and to go there and win three two with ten men is quite uh, quite significant. Also, yeah, you've you've made Warnock a very angry man, so you've done something right. Yeah, Q- QPR obviously let themselves down with the two goals, but I thought going forwards they were different, different class. Chris Willock in particular was stunning. Mm. Such a such a good player on his day. He's we all know about the talent in the Willock family. It's been well publicised over the past year or so. But Chris Willock is really stepping up a gear because he's, he's been you know talked about for quite some time to make this step up, but recently. He has looked superb in the second half of last season and heading into this season. He has been top, top class and he's going to be so important how QPR succeed this season. Any success that happens is coming down to a handful of key players and he's one of them. And if he keeps playing like this, then my oh my, Justin, QPR have got one hell of a player on their hands because Middlesbrough didn't know what to do with him at times. He was absolutely class. Um, Charlie Austin's headbutt, will he see Mm. a bit of a punishment for that do you think I'd, I'd expect it uh, I'd expect it to happen um, even if it was accidental it does look 
like it wasn't accidental. I don't think that's accidental, no. It's, but they're it's a very friends. naughty Charlie Austin. But they're friends, aren't they? They were teammates. You can't do that to a teammate, an ex-teammate. Well, you know, when you sides up against it, you've got to take you gotta, every you got to headbutt someone. You've got to headbutt someone, why not? <laughs> yeah, naughty Charlie Austin, don't do that again. Uh, Matt on Twitter asks, What on earth happened in the second half? Were Borough that bad or were QPR that good? What do you think, Justin? It's an interesting question. I looked at the stats and, and QPR, from an attacking point of view, um, they had all of their shots bar one on target. Um, and they didn't create that much. I think they had five or six shots, which by all means in away games, not not too many. Um, but all of them tested the keeper, obviously put three of them in the back of the back of the net. Um, I think I think it was a mix of, of QPR being very good and, and, and perhaps Borough taking their foot off their gas a little bit because the goals they conceded were, were pretty poor from, from Borough's perspective. But you just can't deny this attacking quality that QPR have. The likes of Elias Chair, Willock, Dykes, um, there's just so much going for them going forward. And when you've got Stefan Johansson who's who's marshalling the midfield, um, especially in away games, it's going to be a massive, massive help. So I think it was a it was a mix of Borough just letting the foot off the gas, but QPR ramping it up and not giving a crap about going down to ten men. They they still play the same way they did, which is it is the mark of a very good side. Well, I thought Borough were really good in stages. Isaiah Jones again was fantastic. It's, it's incredible how this guy has come from nowhere and mm-hmm. has looked Borough's best player this season. It's quite remarkable. Uh, Joe Lumley, I didn't think, covered himself in too much glory for the second QPR goal. Yeah. Um, still think Borough needs to strengthen in that department, but I'm not sure they're going to. Stoke a joint top of the championship after beating Swansea 3-1. Probably... I wrote these notes down after, or before, rather, the West Brom-Sheffield United game. But before that game, probably the most one-sided game of midweek because Stoke were on another level here, Justin. Yeah, I certainly didn't expect it to be this high in goals. Um, If anything, I thought it'd be perhaps a 1-0 win to Stoke because Swansea still have problems that need need airing out. But they were really, really... Really, really good here, and um, going forwards, they were they were threatening defensively. They were quite solid, um, and they highlight the same issues that Russell Martin has, um, that that Steve Cooper had for Swansea. And now Russell Martin's uh, inherited. It's it's their issues that need ironing out. But as you say, Stoke were so good; they were a threat from set pieces. Nick Powell can he do everything? By the way, he scores any type of goal. I, I love the guy so much. He's he's such an underrated player in this league. Um, the likes of Klukas getting a goal as well is really important because from a midfield perspective I expect Allen and, and Vrancic to be the to be the two, but Klukas is certainly making a stake for his claim in, in that uh, in that midfield. Well the, the, one of the reasons why I fancied Stoke so much at the start of the season is because it's not just the starting eleven that is really tidy. You've got <clears throat> a whole squad of really talented players and mm-hmm. they've still got players to come back. That's the frightening thing with Stoke. They've started so well, but they look like they're only going to get better. And even when injuries do happen as the season goes on, they've got players to come in to replace them. Uh, They restricted Swansea in this game to half chances, and every time they went forwards, they looked a real threat. It was frightening Mm -hmm. how many times they looked like they were going to score in this game. Leo Ostergaard got on the score sheet, also a monster at the back, he's already looking a top signing for Stoke. Obviously, we saw him at Coventry last season and he was a very tidy player then. Looks like he could be even better this season. And then 
we haven't even mentioned Sam Klukas and the shirt off celebration in front of the Swansea fans. That is the sort of shithousery that we at the Second Tier Podcast totally endorse, Justin. It's um <laughs> it's I saw the Stoke um, Twitter actually saying it's a good way of advertising or launching their new away shirt, which was very clever media uh, from them. But um, yeah, not uh, not revered for his time at Swansea. I don't think he's he's quite happy to celebrate against them. Did it? Was it last season or the season before? He sprinted in front of the away fans at the, uh, the season Stoke. before because we didn't have fans. Last oh, season, of course, did we? yeah, yeah, that would be pointless doing it last yeah. season. Um, they did an Adebayo, didn't they? Fantastic, isn't it? Absolutely fantastic. And I think Swansea fans might just expect it now next time he gets on the score sheet, potentially. Well, he's he's played against them four times since leaving and scored three times. And he, he doesn't seem to score that many goals against anyone else. But it's just when he plays against Swansea, just he works. just has this fire that burns inside of him. And he just feels that urge to score against them. Uh, did you see the lady with the Chihuahua arm? Yeah. Only after you highlighted it. <laughs> I, it's so weird. It is. It is weird. It's uh, yeah. Check out our Twitter if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, Stoke play Forest on Saturday. Teams at very opposite ends of the early form table. Swansea though, very poor. Very very poor here. The two games prior to this against Blackburn, they were conceding chances for fun. While against Sheffield United, they were more solid at the back. In this game against Stoke, it was like the Blackburn game all over again. So a bit Jekyll and Hyde at the back so far. But my real concern, Justin, is that in all three games, they have been so poor going forwards and have barely laid a glove on whoever they've been facing. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. The the build-up play is fantastic, but they get in and around the box and it just doesn't quite work. It just doesn't quite... um transmit into good quality chances um, but I think that yeah, as you say that the worry for Swansea irrespective of whoever was in charge of this season could have been Guardiola for, for anyone's guess the, the same problems will still be there um, it, it just didn't matter who was in charge they've, they, they've got to get a strike partner for Pyro as well as that they need a number 10 and a ball playing defender because they're still having issues at the back where they can't get the ball out um, because the players they've got aren't quite good enough and the number 10 is, has been an issue for how long Gibbs White was was the answer last season until he got injured? They need a they need a number ten in ASAP because they've only got eleven days left of the window or twelve days left of the window. Well, they've recorded the joint fewest shots so far this season, and based on the games that we've seen so far, that is not surprising at all. Two unbeaten sides met on Wednesday night: Birmingham and Bournemouth. But it was the Cherries who ran out two nil winners. Um, not many chances in this game, but Bournemouth coming away here with three points, Justin. Yeah, I think it's worth pointing out how, how impressive Birmingham City were in in the way that they shut Bournemouth down. But I think mm. Bournemouth were just the more clinical side. As we saw, yeah. the Solanke running finish was, was, was fantastic. It's just what we expect of him. Very powerful run and a very tidy finish. Um, and then obviously the Jaden Anthony goal. Um, I think we'll go under the radar in terms of how good it was because the way he pulled off the back post to create some space for himself to then pick up the loose ball from a corner uh, and smash it in was 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 stuff for experienced players and um, he, he's 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 got his good good start to the season is carrying on but as you say I think the scoreline was quite harsh in Birmingham I thought a draw would been it would have been a fair result for for them. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. I thought Blues definitely deserved something from this game. Let's not take anything away from Bournemouth because it was a gritty game, really. Both sides not having many chances at all. Um, But Bournemouth here, it's interesting, actually, because I was just saying Swansea had the joint fewest shots in the division. Bournemouth are that side who they're joint with, which is quite remarkable considering they're joint top of the league at the moment. But looking... All right, under Scott Parker so far, Carl asks, can Bournemouth go up with kids? <laughs> um, they won't need to because they've got about eight players out injured. Um, so when they come back in, I imagine the kids might be phased out a little bit. But what this does highlight is, yeah, Bournemouth do have a good academy. They do have good backups in case these first-team players um, pick up injuries. Um, I've seen a reason why Bournemouth can't go up. Perhaps they need to create a lot more chances, but when players come back into the side, that will come naturally for, for Bournemouth, I think. Um, but the kids that they've got very, very good. Kilkenny, um, I'm loving how he how he can uh, orchestrate games from that from that position. He's, he's come from nowhere as well. And um, Jaden Anthony, good player. Very, very good yeah, player. Really good player. He has really, really impressed me so far this season. That, as you say, that goal, um, really, really good goal. Only previous senior goal was for Weymouth, of all clubs. So you're talking about the kind of step up that he's had to make into the championship so far. But it's been effortless. Obviously, Dan Jim is a very hard player to replace, but he's looked really, really good so far. I was not expecting him to look this good, but I'm very excited to see what he can do as the season goes on. Justin, Derby won a game. Praise the heavens above. The end is nigh. They beat Hull 1-0 thanks to a second-half goal from Sam Bulldog. Uh, Martin asks, with Derby not finishing bottom anymore, who will? <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, Sheffield United at this rate are on a, on a course to do it, aren't they? <laughs> Forest haven't won a game yet, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Even, even I was... Almost brought to tears last night at the joy of Sam Baldock scoring on his debut. Um, but Derby were very, very good in this game. They were they controlled the game against Peterborough, but it was a late collapse that cost them. Um, but in this game, they were they were very good value for the win. They created chance after chance after chance. Matt Ingram was one of the busiest keepers in the in the league last night, um, and that's the potential. The, the starting eleven is very good. Um, Oh, sorry, sorry. The starting eleven is good. It's fine. It's it, it's it's enough to get out of the relegation um, uh, relegation zone. I think um, they just don't have the, the the strength in depth. But when you bring in someone like Phil Jagielka, for example, who is nearly forty, um, but has been there and done it, it's going to help. He's he's an experienced guy. But the only question is, um, they've looked good against open, fluid attacking teams. Hull City fall into that category. So do Huddersfield. It's it's whether or not they can they can break down those organised structured sides. They struggle against Peterborough. Um, they might struggle against Borough this weekend. But it's a lot of positives for for Derby and Yozwiak got a lot of stick in the last week. Um, he was electric last night. He was really good. He was all right. Um, I, I thought oh, Jackie Elka and Curtis Davis were brilliant. They were top class, <clears throat> despite them having nearly a combined age of eighty. They were really. <laughs> Really good for Derby at the back. As you said, starting 11 isn't too bad. It's just as the season goes on, an injury start happening, you've got to rotate the squad. It's who's going to play instead, considering the squad is so damn thin. Um, I thought Hall looked threatening in attacks. It was just the final ball that they were lacking, really. 
Uh, it's, they're, they're a young side, and I think that showed in this game. Because they, I mean, you said the combined age of Davis and, and Jack Elka was nearly 80. It's just combined age of the whole whole, whole squad, about 80, isn't it? Um, it's very, very young, and it, it showed at times. And um, as you say, it's just that final ball just wasn't quite there. Keen Lewis Potter had a really poor game. Young player, he's going to have these games. I think it's just some harsh lessons for Hull um, when they come up against teams like this that they can't be as open and fluid as, as they want to be because they're going to get caught. They're going to leave space behind and, and, and Derby exploited that. Um, but there were positives for Hull. It's not it's not a, uh, a catastrophic defeat. There were, there were chances for them to get back into it. It just didn't quite happen for them. Let's talk about an absolute stinker of a game at the John Smith Stadium. Huddersfield beat Preston 1-0. Just two shots on target in this game. And Huddersfield... Didn't have any of them, despite winning. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this was a game between two poor teams, Justin. Well, no, hardly any shots on target in the game. It's very very hard to uh, make a case for that against exactly. that argument, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't It wasn't good. It's a massive worry for, for both the sides. It's, I mean, positives for Huddersfield because they got the three points, got a clean sheet. Um, they limited Preston to, to half chances, but... There just wasn't much in this game, and um, they both were quite poor. There's not much really else to say apart from there are big concerns about about both of them. Um, I think one player that needs picking out is Sorba Thomas. By the way, he's, I think he's made 16 key passes in the last three games, which is absolute madness. He was still a threat creatively in this game. Um, I think at some point it, it will click for Huddersfield going forwards. They will start to score goals, but at the minute it's not happening for them. In Preston, I don't know what to say about Preston that. Is remotely positive it's just not good at all well it's quite remarkable for a new manager to be under pressure after three games but the pressure is certainly on Frankie McAvoy because Preston have looked so poor so far I've been getting Preston fans <coughs> messaging us saying it's really worrying time at the moment because they have looked so poor in these opening three games it is just three games we can't emphasize that enough but there needs to be massive improvement and it needs to happen very very soon. Uh, Justin, let's have a quick break. After that, we'll talk about wins for Blackburn and Coventry, and then we'll go into some of the news. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. We were just talking about Preston, Justin. The only other team without a point is Forrest, who lost 2-1 to Blackburn. Ollie says, Daniel Ayala scored here. Could you please describe what the hell is going on? What, with Daniel Ayala scoring or Forrest losing? I don't think Forrest losing needs any explanation at the moment. I'm talking more about Daniel Ayala scoring because he, he doesn't score many, does he? Even though he's been at the Championship for quite some time, he doesn't have a fantastic goal-scoring record at this level. It's certainly not Rob Dickey standards anyway. Well, well, well I'm certain he got seven, eight goals under uh, Karanka or Pulis on a couple of occasions. I, I, I thought he was one of the more threatening defenders from from set pieces. I've always thought he was a goal-scorer. I think uh, any centre-back who gets seven in a Pulis side doesn't really count. Uh, okay, but nonetheless, uh, how good were Blackburn here? They were really good. Um, they they limited Forest, although that's not difficult at the minute. Um, but they 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 made Forest defend defensively look very very ordinary. Um, they were they were helped by some calamity defending from set pieces, but 
they were still they were still good value for the win. It was a very good away performance from 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 Blackburn. Um, the the front three makes them so likable. It's so fluid. Um, they've got a winger who plays as a number nine. They've got a a number nine target man who plays out on the right sometimes, and they've got a wide man um, talisman at this point in time. The main goal scorer drifts into wide areas. Um, they're just they're just so exciting going forwards, and I'm I'm almost more excited about them now than I was when they had Armstrong in that in that front in that front quadrant uh, as 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 it would be with him in there. Um, yeah, they were they were good value for the side. They created better chances than Forrest and, and fully deserved the win. And um, I saw a lot of the videos from Blackburn fans who were absolutely pleased to to be down there. It was um, sorry, Blackburn fans. Yeah, absolutely pleased to be down there. It was it was good to see. Johnny asks realistically. How long does Chris Hewton have left? Because this result does heap the pressure on Mr. Hewton. Fans last night were chanting, you don't know what you're doing after one of his subs. And dare I point out, Sabu Lamushi was sacked after four games last season, Justin? <laughs> uh, I think things are slightly different with, with Dane Murphy in charge, for example. I mean, what a baptism of fire it would be for him for to have to find someone new for the job um, only a month month into it. Um, it's an interesting question. I don't think Chris Hewton should be sacked. I think he should have time. Surely it's an exhausting process for all Forest fans. They need they need time to just settle because the squad's a state, has been a state for the past three years, and this is the first season where it's finally started to settle and look normal. Well, <laughs> the, 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 the reason normal. the reason Forest fans are so irritated is because obviously results aren't going their way at the moment, but because of how negative it is and I don't think anyone can deny Chris Hewton football isn't a bit negative so can you understand why they're frustrated I, I can understand why they're frustrated but the, the, you just have to have, it just has to be with a pinch of salt and and the reason why it has to be with a pinch of salt I'm not a Chris Hewton super, super fan I think he's a very good manager at this level um, but, but is there a better manager with that squad of players because that squad of players has issues. Um, it's, there's not a lot of balance there. There's not a lot of depth there. There's not a good goal scorer who plays with his back to goal that like Chris Hewton teams thrive on, by the way. Um, there, there, are, there are issues there. They need to bring in players. They need to back Chris Hewton because they haven't done that so far in his time. I think Njokar and, and Kravinovic were the two, two loan signers that helped change Forrest last season and they haven't been able to bring players in like that other than Sinkanago, who has looked very good. But, you know, as I was saying, there are small issues that need ironing out. Defensively, they need to improve. But going forwards, they've always had issues. And that's down to personnel, I think, and not just system. So I don't think Chris Hutton getting sacked is the answer. Victor Gaiorquez, he gave Coventry a 1-0 win over Blackpool. Another goal coming off someone's face. There was a bit of controversy because people thought it might have come off his hands, but it definitely did come off his face. This game could have been about 3-3. It was very back and forth. Both teams just throwing caution to the wind, really. Blackpool looked a lot better going forwards compared to what we've seen so far. However, I won't get too carried away against Coventry. I'm more concerned about how bad they are at the back as well. Because we were kind of expecting this Blackpool team to be solid at the back and rely on that for them to have any chance of staying up this season. But from the games that we've seen so far, Justin, they've actually looked a bit leaky they have and I think one one of the things that we pointed out la- uh, uh, last weekend was the Keir and husband partnership um, Keir was 34 I, did, I I thought he'd come in as a <coughs> as an experienced head at the back uh, but as a backup 
option, but he's he's he's, he's slotted straight in. I mean, he's still got pedigree, but at, at 34 uh, with a serious injury behind him, is he going to be the best best option available to you? James Husband's a left back by trade, isn't he? Um, but yeah. he's he's transitioned into centre half. So again, is he the best option at Championship level? Yeah, that that might be some of the problems. But I think the four four two might not help. Perhaps going a little bit, putting an extra body midfield, trying to reduce that flow of chances coming through might 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 be useful. Um, but I'm not the master tactician that I believe I am. Um, so yeah, there are there are issues that need plugging. And I think also not being in the league for as as long as Blackpool have might be a problem because again. Like Hull, like Peterborough, they're learning some harsh lessons. Yeah, this result obviously doesn't get rid of any fears that I have that Blackpool are going to be a poor side this season. Blackpool fans have been telling me that they have got players injured and will be coming back into the team very soon. But either way, they must be very good players because so far they, Blackpool have looked a poor side at this level. Um, an enjoyable game at the Select Car Leasing Stadium. Bristol City beat Reading 3-2. Bristol City, quite impressive here. They they were. They were. They were a danger from set of pieces. Um, they created plenty of chances. Andy Vyman playing as a as a makeshift number 10 um, alongside Chris Martin or, or behind Chris Martin worked a treat. Um, they were really, really good, uh, especially going forward. Defensively, still a bit of an issue, but... Definitely a, a, a turn in the corner, a turn in the, around the corner. I don't know the saying. I'm having a mayor saying so. Yeah, you, you nearly got it, mate. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, Chris Martin had a really good game up top. He got a goal and an assist here. Uh, Bristol City looked good value for the win. Reading were very poor defensively here. Really concerning, actually, how poor they were defensively. Femi Aziz looked quite handy for the Royals, but there's a lot of work to be done to get rid of those defensive mistakes because that was a really, really poor display at the back for them last night. Uh, a 96th minute equaliser from Aidan Flint got Cardiff a 2 2 draw away at Peterborough. Flint actually scored twice in this game, but the drama, the limbs, you've got to love it, Justin. You do, and also five league goals for Cardiff, and all five are headed goals. Um, Standard it's Cardiff, just just fantastic, isn't it? But uh, I mean, they'll, they'll be they'll be so angry at the goals that they, they conceded because they switched off twice defensively for them. But to get back into it so late in the game, an away game, uh, a, a night away game, is uh, is fantastic. It's what football's all about, isn't it? And uh, it's quite fitting that Peterborough did the same thing to Derby, but the same thing happened to them a few days later. I'm not bitter. <laughs> you don't sound it either. Uh, yeah, Cardiff's goalkeeper Dylan Phillips went up for the corner in the last minute and got the assist to the assist. He kept the ball going for Cardiff. Yeah, played which was a big a, role. Yeah, played a really big role. But uh, I wanted to highlight Aidan Flint because he's had right turnaround in his career, hasn't he? He's gone from a player who just over six months ago was just cast aside by Cardiff, not really looking like he was ever going to be involved <clears> again in a Cardiff shirt. And now he's a fan favourite. He's playing regularly for Cardiff and he's one of their most important players at the back. And he's not just at the back, it's going forwards as well. It's remarkable and all credit goes to him, doesn't it? No, absolutely. He's um, he's really turned it around because he's, he's career dipped when he went to Borough. It just didn't work well at all. And then obviously that loan spell at Sheffield Wednesday um, where he picked up an injury and didn't play very often. Um, and the way he's turned it around, he's been he's been so key to to Cardiff defensively and and defensively as as we've seen, and also um, 
I spotted him in my local Morrison's not too long ago. So, well, congratulations. Is he as tall as he looks? Thank you. Oh, he's massive. He's like the the you know the big shelves, not the big shelves, the things that hang from the ceiling. Just um, having to duck. <laughs> yeah, just shifting below those. Yeah, Cardiff didn't have a shot on target until the 80th minute in this game, and I think they will. If you ask them before the game. Would you have taken a point? I think they would have said absolutely not. But obviously when you score in the 96th minute, it's a bit different, isn't it? Uh, Peterborough starting to get over that really poor performance from the opening day of the season. Starting to get going now. Lovely goal from Harrison Burrows and two goals in two games for Siriki Dembele. And the final goal from midweek, uh, final game from midweek, I should say, is uh, Luton versus Barnsley. That finished 1-0 to the Hatters. And Amari Bell goal from early on. And Luton, I tell you what, Justin, looking pretty handy. Well, why? Why is it, uh, the tone of your voice sounded surprised a little bit? But let's. This was this was a peak. On, considering I was the one who had them seventh in my league table predictions, oh. and Justin had them twelfth. Then uh, I, I don't think you can accuse me of being surprised. Well, you sounded surprised. Um, but yeah, Luton are a good side. I'm not doing them an injustice for predicting them to finish twelfth. There are good sides in this league, as we're seeing. But this was a good away performance from Luton. Um, I think the goal from Amara Bell was probably one of the best goals you'll see from a left back with his right foot who was not known for scoring um that's, it was such a good very goal. specific criteria <laughs> well it, yeah it's it, not many not many takes in there but for him to come inside on his right foot to fire it first time the way he did and he's not scored for nearly two years well, that's oak well as well <laughs> exactly it was a, it was a great goal and a really good away performance from Luton clean sheet um yes it's it's all positive for Luton because as we saw with the game against West Brom, they look good there as well. Yeah, yeah. Nathan Jones will be very happy with what he's seen from his Luton side so far this season. Right, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news and we'll start off with Bournemouth winger Arnott Danjuma, who's joining Villarreal for £20 million. And I tell you what, Justin, I think £20 million it's pretty good value for the player you're getting. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I messaged you In today's away, market, I should point out. <laughs> yeah, I messaged you straight away, didn't I? I thought it was quite cheap. Um, for for a player of his age, I think he's a full international for Holland. Um, the the quality he, he brings and the goals he scores. Yeah, it's it's quite a uh, quite a cheap quite a cheap deal there for Villarreal. Very, very well played for him from them. It really surprises me that a Premier League club hasn't... Mm. gone after him and really tried hard to get him but nonetheless Sheffield United have signed centre-half Ben Davies on loan from Liverpool absolutely no surprise to see him back in the championship after that bizarre move to Liverpool what six months ago having said that what a signing for the Blades it should it should help out some major issues that they've got we could be about Jack O'Connell um, a left-footed defender. They're very rare in a championship, by the way. They don't come very often. So to have someone of his quality, ball-playing quality as well, is going to help Jukanovic in trying to instill a style of playing to the side. Fulham are signing Brazilian striker Rodrigo Muniz from Flamengo for £8 million, according to Fabrizio Romano. Uh, I won't claim to know anything about him, but it seems as if he hasn't made many appearances for Flamengo. So I'd be interested to know what they see in him for eight million pounds but nonetheless it also takes Fulham's spending in this transfer window to 20 million pounds the rest of the championship this summer has spent 21 million in total according to the website transfer market now I've noticed Fulham fans are getting very upset 
because we keep bringing up how much they've spent. And I will say this, I've got no issue with how much money Fulham have been spending. Any club in their situation with the amount of cash that they've got would do exactly the same. My issue is more with the system as a whole with things like parachute payments and the financial gap between the Premier League and the Championship. But I will say this, if Fulham don't win the league, having spent nearly twice as much as the rest of the league, it will be an absolute embarrassment of the highest standards. Because when you've got the amount of resources they have and the playing squad that they have, there's no excuse for them to finish anywhere other than first. I'm confident they will get promoted this season because, as we were saying earlier, Justin, they look very good. Them and West Brom have squads which are in a different league to pretty much the rest of the championship. But it will be incredibly embarrassing if they somehow balls this up. Moving on. Swansea have signed Manchester United defender Ethan Laird on loan. Tom Huddleston has re-signed for Hull. He's been a free agent for nearly a year after leaving Derby. Nice seeing him back in a Hull shirt. It was really nice, actually. Uh, I mean, it's slightly sad because I'm a Derby fan. I want to see him back at Derby. But he's rejoined Derby. He signed for Derby, left, rejoined Derby. He signed for Hull, left, and rejoined Hull. Are there any players, any more players that have left and rejoined clubs twice in their careers? Mm, I'll tell you what, it's a good quiz question. Um, but the, the one thing I wanted to point out, he's not played for nearly a year, which is a long old time to be without any football. But having said that, Tom Huddleston is ridiculously slow. Unbelievably technically <laughs> gifted footballer, but he is so, so slow. So yeah. maybe it doesn't affect him that much. Um, Derby, speaking of them, they've signed Phil Jagielka and Sam Bullock. Both have been training with the club throughout the summer, while the latter is Derby's only senior striker at the moment after Colin Kazim Richards's injury. Speaking of that, he's going to be out for 12 weeks after coming off injured against Peterborough. You're a big CKR fan, aren't you, Justin? So I imagine... Uh, you were nearly in tears when you heard about this. I was, uh, yeah, it was devastated. I mean, I was watching the game. I was absolutely devastated. And um, you fear the worst when you see Achilles because snapped Achilles or ruptured Achilles, it's six months to a year. So for it to be 12 weeks is, uh, it's really good news. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought when I saw him go off on a stretcher, I thought it was going to be a lot worse. So 12 weeks, I imagine, is a bit of a relief for Wayne Rooney and CKR and finally Middlesbrough boss Neil Warnock is encouraging his players to get their coronavirus vaccinations he's admitted the majority of his players haven't had it yet but says they should get it for their own health and to avoid any disruption to his squad as the season goes on Justin you've not had yours yet have you I've had I've had my first jab but my second jab was booked for last week and obviously last week I then got COVID so yeah good timing very good Good timing. timing Everyone, make sure you're fully vaccinated against coronavirus. Otherwise, you could end up with a Barry White voice like Justin did last week. (laughs) You might also die, which also isn't ideal. Um, Justin, let's go to the Craig Bryson pub quiz. This is the part of the show where I still haven't made an intro for it yet. But it's our little game where Justin's going to give me six clues about a championship legend who's made at least 200 championship appearances. All I've got to do is guess who that bugger is. So, Justin, first off, can you give me the first clue, please? I can, but what I will say is um, this player is not interesting at all. Um, No disrespect to him. That's not promising. (laughs) Yeah, not interesting at all. But we go. Um, I played 324 games, scoring four goals. (laughs) Wow, Okay. How many? 300? 324, scoring four. Okay, that's a lot of games. 
Um, mm-hmm. oh, wow. Surprise me. Paul Robinson. Because he's... No. Uh, the, the amount of games he's played surprised me because he's just flown under the radar. Okay. But he's played for some good sides. Okay. I made my debut in 2004 for Southampton where I came through the academy there. I am willing to move on. Actually, no, I'm not. Chris Baird. No, good shout though. Actually, no, Chris Baird deserves more respect than I've given this player. <laughs> I made the move to Portsmouth uh, after rejecting the chance to stay at Southampton, but I then only made two appearances. Went from Southampton to Pompey? Yeah, yeah. this was probably the most controversial thing to happen in his career. Oh, I feel like that should be a well-known thing, but I cannot think of anyone who's made that move. I'm also, again, willing to move on to the next clue. <laughs> this is so hard. I then moved to Coventry City, where I was okay. called up to the England under-21s. This is all very early in his career. Uh, Coventry, uh, I'm going to say Elliot Ward. Good shout, but no, that's a very good shout. Thank you. I think he's played for Southampton as well. Okay, this is where it gets difficult for you. Uh, I, I'd be surprised. <laughs> it gets difficult. <laughs> yeah. I have played for 12 clubs, including Barnsley, Huddersfield, QPR and Charlton. And then as a bonus, I'm going to tell you every club he's played for in order. So Southampton, loan spells at Bournemouth and Yeovil. Then he's moved to Portsmouth. Then loan spells at QPR and Charlton. Then he's moved to Coventry, Barnsley, Huddersfield, Middlesbrough, uh, wait, do I want to say the last two? I'll say that. Uh, Sheffield United. And then I won't say the last one because he's still there. What? <laughs> so he's a bit of a journeyman then. A um, I have absolutely no idea. Okay. Last clue, please. Well, he's still currently playing, but that's not the last clue. Um, but he's, he's won promotion twice. Once with Huddersfield Town in the 16-17 uh, season under David Wagner. And then once under... Chris Wilder at Sheffield United in the eighteen nineteen season, but he only made fifteen appearances in that season. So he was he was a backup for both sides. I don't want to ramble on for the willingness of time, but the only player who's coming to mind is Tommy Elphick, but I don't think it is. It's not Tommy Elphick, but I will say he's still currently playing at Luton Town. Defender, I think he's still there. Yeah, he might have been released. I might have just caught that up. Oh, I don't know. Who is it? It's Martin Craney. Christ almighty, I would have never got that in a million years. <laughs> no, no, it's honestly the hardest thing to eke information out of because his career was just journeyman career, but very highly regarded professional in the He's a name who I know, but I would not be able to... You say he played for 12 clubs there, I would have not been able to name three. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a championship expert, Justin. <laughs> that was that <laughs> was incredibly. I gave you British Sombolonga last week. Yeah, you gave me British Sombolonga with dud clues, by the way, which was highlighted by our listeners. Which well, I was needs just looking, pointing out. I was looking at his Wikipedia page. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so was I. <laughs> if he's gone to Turkey, I, I don't have a clue. So there you go, uh, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. Thank you for listening. As always, we'll be back again on Sunday to go through some big games in the championship this weekend. Some very big games indeed. So we look forward to seeing you then. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.